all of you being here. Uh, today we have a number of folks who are out of town and several folks who are visiting with us. We're delighted that you've come. Hope that you can come back this afternoon. At 5 o'clock this afternoon we will have Bible classes. All the age groups uh, the, for the children will have their classes. All the adults will meet here in the auditorium for a Bible class. We will be <laughs> talking about the study of the apocalypse of John's revelation. Uh, we will be dealing with introductory material to that. If you would like to do some reading uh, for the class this afternoon, you can uh, read the first chapter of the book of Revelation. And uh, you can do some background study on the apocalyptic literature uh, in the Bible. For this morning, we are in the 16th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus is gathered with His disciples at Caesarea Philippi. It was a wonderful place in the northern part of Galilee here. You have the beginning of the Jordan River, a very special place where they are gathered, the hillside where the god Pan was worshipped and some others worshipped there as well. It's a beautiful place, a beautiful gathering place by the small brook that later is going to become the Jordan River. Uh, a beautiful place to think and to meditate. Jesus has His disciples gathered there. This is toward the... Uh, uh, he's coming now toward the climactic events of His ministry. And He says to the disciples, Who do men say that I am? What, what, are, what are people saying? What do people believe? about me. That's important. It is important because everything about the kingdom is dependent on understanding who Jesus is. Do you remember how John begins his gospel account? The prologue to the gospel of John in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And, and, uh, nothing that has been made was made except by Him. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory... Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. One of the things John tells us at the very outset of his gospel, the narrative about Jesus Christ is about his deity. The thing that we need to know about Jesus, he is the Son of God. Okay, when John gets to the end of his gospel, to his summary remarks, what does he tell us? He tells us, and this is one of the ways, with these literary markers in the text, one of the ways that we understand that this is the major theme of his gospel. He gets over to the end in John the 20th chapter, verses 30 and 31, and he says, Many other signs and wonders therefore did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in His name. So, that's what His ministry was all about. 
That's what his life was all about. That people might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. Caesarea Philippi. He's with all the disciples. They've seen the signs, the wonders, the miracles. Jesus asked them, Who do men say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist. But John the Baptist is already deceased. <clears throat> but nonetheless, we're going to talk about that tonight, actually. Well, okay, next week. Uh, in our Revelation class about <clears throat> this idea of people who died not believing they were really dead. Sort of like uh, Elvis. You know, you know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff's been going around for a long time. And it was very prominent in the first century, even as it pertained to Roman emperors. And that plays into the story of the apocalypse. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but whom do you say that I am? And, of course, the impulsive one, Peter, who can't be still. He can't keep his mouth shut. He, he can't have a thought in his head without it running out of his mouth before he has time to filter what he's about to say. It just comes right up. This time he is right on target. Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks right up and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's the confession. It is full of implication if you understand what it means. You are the Christ. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, Flesh and blood is not revealed this unto thee, but my Father who is in heaven. And I'm telling you that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And then he charged the disciples they should tell no man that he was the Christ. And from that time, Jesus began showing his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes. He must be killed and the third day raised up. And Peter took him. And he began to rebuke him. Now, let me just encourage you not to rush to the parts of this narrative that you hear so often. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjon. I want you to see what happened here. Peter took him aside. He began to rebuke him. You see something strange about What's going on here? Peter rebuking Jesus. He began to rebuke him saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall never be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Go away, Satan. 
In Italian, they say, by via, be gone. This was the expression, be gone. You are a stumbling block unto me. You do not mind the things of God, but the things of man. Wow. It's so easy for us to see life our way. God sees things another way. And we need to wake up and realize that that has always been the case. It continues to be the case. You remember in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, the wise men said a long time ago, there is a way that seems right. What's the rest of that? Unto a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. And the preacher was saying a long time ago, look, we think we know, but we don't. Psalm 77 and verse 19 says of God, thy footsteps are not Known. That is to say, the psalmist was acknowledging to God, I know you're in control, I know you're in the lead, I know that I'm following you, I don't know where you are going. Only God can see the end of a thing from the beginning. We don't know exactly where he's going, we do not know exactly how he's going to take us there. Psalm 92, verses 5 and 6, O Lord, how great are thy works! And thy thoughts are deep. A stupid man does not know. We don't know God's thoughts. We don't know his ways. And therefore, we tend often to miss the point. You remember in 2 Samuel 7? David has said to the Lord, Look, I have gathered all of the materials together. I want to build the house of the Lord. That was David's plan. That was David's idea. That was David's desire. This is what I want to do for God. And what did God say? God said, hey, (laughs) thanks anyway, but that's not my plan. That's not my plan. And Nathan came to David and reminded David of the plan that God had. And he was going to raise one up to sit upon the throne And it would be an eternal throne. And David later, as he's acknowledging that God's way was better, he essentially said to God, you don't do things the way that I do. You do not do things the way that men do things. Indeed, in Isaiah 55, the Lord said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus said, when you pray to God, you pray like this, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, listen, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus now, he's saying to us, hey, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? Peter, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Yeah. And, and flesh and blood hadn't revealed that unto thee. It had been attested by signs, wonders, and miracles that they had beheld. It was of the Father. It had been attested by divinity, by a power that was something beyond the realm of this life. Jesus now affirms, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this foundation, I am the Christ. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not stop it. The gates of Hades. It was a Jewish colloquial expression. You know, in every culture, people have their own way to talk of death. We have expressions that we substitute for death. And we have euphemisms that take the edge off. We, as, as Jeannie Robertson uh, talks about in, in, in her stand-up routine, we, we in the South, we don't talk about someone has died. We say they passed. And if you say someone passed, and you drop your voice and drop your head, everybody knows they died. I, I, I'm saying that every culture, every language has their own way of talking about death. The Jews talked about death as it, as it referred to the Hadean realm. The realm of Hades, very often in the King James, was translated hell. But Hades, the Hadean realm, was simply the realm of the dead a spiritual realm that encompassed, comprised the dead. And so what Jesus is saying to them is, I am going to build my church and death itself is not going to stop me. That expression, the gates of Hades, is used twice in Job, twice in Psalms, once in Isaiah. It's, it's a common Jewish expression for death. And he said, I, I want to tell you, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I, I'm going to suffer at the hands of the priests and the elders and the scribes. I'm going to be killed. But the gates of Hades are not going to stop me. I will be raised on the third day. But Peter didn't get past the part that he was going to Jerusalem. And there he's going to suffer at the hands of the elders and the scribes. And that he's going to be killed. And that's where Peter drew his line. And he pulled him to the side. <laughs> the text says that Peter took him. Do you see that in verse 22? And Peter took him. In the original language, what, what that literally means is it, it would be as if we're walking together in a group, maybe four, five, six, twelve of us together walking. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, I am going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That is to say, and even death itself will not stop me, because right now I'm on my way to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer there, suffer many things at the hands of the elders uh, the priest, the scribe, I, I am going to be put to death and be raised up on the third day. And Peter took him as if he wrapped his arm around him and pulled him to the side. And he began to rebuke him. He began to correct him. He began to try to 
rearrange the plan. Jesus said, this is God's plan. And Peter pulled him to the side and he said, no, 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 no. No, that, that's not going to work. Don't say that anymore, Peter is saying. Don't, don't even intimate that. that. May that never be. Wow. What had just come out of Peter's mouth? What had he just said? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you understand what that means? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are God. You are in charge. You are in control. You are Lord. I am servant. And immediately Jesus said, okay, here is the plan of heaven. And Peter says, oh, no, 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 not that one. I've got another plan. And Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. Get out of my way. What are you doing? Do you remember any other time in the ministry of Jesus when Jesus said, Vivia, get out of here, Satan. Remember any other time he said that? Yeah, you do. Matthew chapter 4. What is it? Verse 10. He said it to Satan himself. He said it to Satan when Satan is saying, hey, you, you, you want, you, you want all, all these people? You want the kingdoms of the world? I'll tell you what. I'll cut a deal with you here. I will show you a shortcut. You just bow down and worship me, and, and I'll spare you all that, you know, I, uh, where you're going, what you're doing, and uh, the way you're going. I, I'll spare you that. I'll give you a shortcut to glory, to the kingdom, to what you're looking for. You just bow down and worship. And Jesus said, just get out of here. Get out of my face. Get out of my way, Satan. Your way is not God's way. Now, he's saying the exact same thing to Peter. Get out of my way. You're getting in the way here. You don't even understand what you're saying. You become a stumbling block unto me. Wow. You remember 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Paul said that the world was looking for wisdom and profundity and for the sophistication of man. And Paul said, we preach the gospel. We preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a, what was his word? Stumbling block. Christ crucified. Jesus on the cross. The death of the Son of God. To the Jews it was a stumbling block. What has Jesus just said to Peter and the apostles? He just said, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die. What did Peter say? No, 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 no. No, that cannot be, no way, we're not having that. There's got to be another plan. Stumbling block. 
stumbling. The Jews couldn't get past that. So many times, so many times we are tempted to tell God we know better. Go ahead and. First of all, in our own lives, sometimes it is so clear that God has revealed to us in his word what he expects of us, where he expects us to go, what he, what he expects us to do. And sometimes we get in his way when we don't know the plan. Jesus said to his disciples, here's the plan. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer there. I'm going to die there. They should have known the plan. They should have known that. Did they never read Isaiah chapter 53? Of course they did. They should have known the plan. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm saying to you this morning, we are going to have big problems in doing the will of God if we are ignorant of his plan. It was difficult at first for the apostles to take the gospel to the Gentiles because they had not embraced the plan. They were ignorant of God's plan even though he had told them, even though he gave them the vision, even though Peter had stood up on Pentecost and said the gospel was for them that were far off, even as many as God should call. He still didn't get it that it was for the Gentiles. I'm saying to you this morning, if we're not careful, our ignorance of the word of God will cause us to get in his way when he is trying to work his plan in the lives that we are living. The Apostle Paul said, you know, <laughs> there have been times in my life when I had my own plan. One time Paul wanted to go into Asia and preach, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't suffer him to go there. It wasn't God's plan. Have you ever wanted to do something? Something good. Paul wanted to go somewhere and preach. God wouldn't let him go. It wasn't God's plan. It was Paul's plan. It wasn't God's plan. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul is praying to God, take away this thorn in my flesh. Take this affliction away. I can be a better preacher. I, I, I can do better. I, uh, I'm suffering now. I think I'll just feel so much better. This is much better if you will do this. And God said, no, that's not my plan. I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, we run the risk of getting in God's way when we are ignorant of his plan. Secondly, we run the risk of getting in God's way when we reject his methods. Jesus is saying, here's the plan. Here is God's way to accomplish the building of my church. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer there. I will die there. I will be raised on the third day. Peter not only disagreed with the plan, Peter not only offered plan B, plan B which at the time consisted of don't do that. But Peter, Peter is completely missing the point about what it means that Jesus is the Christ. He's completely missing that. I want to ask you something in your own life. Do you really want to argue with God? He began, 
Peter not only disagreed with the plan, he began to rebuke Christ. Have you ever seen people who got angry with God? I mean, get angry with God over something God said, something God did, or the expressed will of God in our life. People get angry. Peter is rebuking Christ for what he said. James said, even as it pertains to loving your your brother, James said, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. Your job, your job is to submit to God, to honor God, not to be a judge of the law. I'll tell you, sometimes, sometimes when God has spoken clearly to us in his word, we find ourselves getting in his way when we are immediately offering up plan B. When we are immediately, as it were, rebuking God, getting angry with God, insisting to God, there's got to be another way. It can't be this. I will not have it. Peter was essentially saying that. And Jesus was saying to Peter, you don't know what you're talking about, and you need to get out of my way. And thirdly, we get in God's way when we pursue our own agenda instead of God's. I, I'll tell you, on, on the one hand, you can say Peter was very noble because he was concerned about the Christ. Yeah, but Peter had some interest in this himself. He's given up three years of his life uh, to become a rabbinical student of this teacher and he's following after him and there's this talk about the kingdom that's going to come and Peter wants his place in this kingdom. And, and Peter, uh, Peter has his own interest here. And Jesus has one plan, but Peter has another one. I'll tell you, folks, we get in a lot of trouble when we go to the table with our own agenda and we think to meet God there. God brings us the agenda. He is the one who is God. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 11, you remember when, when Naaman the Syrian comes to the house of the prophet, the prophet sends out the servant and says, tell him to go dip seven times in the Jordan, he'll be clean. And, and Naaman becomes enraged. He is angry. He is rebuking the prophet and the God of the prophet. I thought for sure the prophet would come out and raise up his hand and call upon the name of his God. and, and he, that, That's what I thought was going to happen. That's the way I would have done this. I, I'm saying to you this morning, we get in God's way when we come to the table telling God how we think it ought to be. I just thought this would have been a better way. Yeah, but here's the reality. There is one God one, the position is taken. We are not God. There is one Lord. And at the moment we call him Lord, we imply our submission to him. And so Jesus said, I want to tell you, it's not saying the words, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Five seconds later, he's rebuking Christ, and he's saying, hey, hey, I don't like that plan. Here's my plan. And Jesus is saying to him, 
vai via. Get out of the way. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. The one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, God is looking for people, not only who can say the words, listen carefully. He's looking for people, not only who can say the words. He's looking for people who can bow the knee and live the life. That's the reality. And so we're reminded this morning in the conversation that Jesus had with Peter that God's ways are not our ways. And Jesus was essentially saying to Peter, you need to remember something. I am the Lord, not you. And you don't need to rebuke me. You don't need to be angry with me. You do not need to be bringing to me the way you would do it or the way you say it. You need to get out of the way. And you need to let the Word of God have its effectual working. That's true for all of us even today. If you're here this morning and not a Christian, we invite you to come in obedience to the gospel. It's not about what you think. It's not about the way you would do it. It's not, it's not about how you would have gone about all of this salvation thing. It is about what God said and about what our response should be. If you've never confessed the name of Christ as the Son of the living God, you need to do that. But you need to also do it with the understanding that it involves the submission of the heart, the bowing of the knee, the giving of the life to Him. His way his will, His agenda. If you've never been buried with the Lord in baptism for the remission of your sins, born anew into the kingdom of God, you can do that this morning. If you are a child of God who needs to come home, we bid you come while we stand and sing.